you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and this is The Great America Show. Delighted to have you with us today. The weaponization of the Biden Justice Department the DOJ issuing their latest warning shot to anyone willing to speak out against the Biden crime family. The DOJ indicted Dr. Gal Luft. Luft is the missing Biden family whistleblower who claimed to have evidence tying Hunter Biden to corruption with China before he disappeared. His whereabouts are unknown, and whether he is alive or dead is also unknown. Luft being charged with failing to register as a foreign agent working with China energy company CFC. That just happens to be the same company that Hunter Biden worked for. And Luft shared the following video with the New York Post, laying out just why the Department of Justice is after him. Under normal circumstances, I would be testifying before Congress about my experience with CFC. Sadly, due to circumstances I shall describe here in this video, uh, I am forced to tell you this story via video. My ordeal goes back to uh, a fatal decision I made in March of 2019 to share with the US government my knowledge about the Biden family's relations with CFC. As I said, it was in March of 2019 in a two-day uh, session at the U.S. Embassy in Brussels. I insisted that the meeting take place in March because at the time there were rumors that Joe Biden was planning to run for president. I saw it as my civic duty to alert the government beforehand and give it enough time to probe the issue. I want to be clear. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I have no political motive or agenda. I did it out of deep concern that if the Bidens were to come to power, the country would be facing the same traumatic Russia collusion scandal, only this time with China. Sadly, because of the DOJ's uh, cover-up, this is exactly what happened. The DOJ sent to Brussels a delegation of six uh, people two prosecutors from the Southern District of New York by the names of Daniel Reichenthal and Catherine Ghosh, and four FBI agents. One of them was Special Agent Joshua Wilson from the Baltimore Field Office, which also happens to cover the state of Delaware. Now you want to ask yourself, why did the government dispatch to Europe so many people? Why six? Why not two? The answer is that they knew very well that I'm a credible uh, witness and that I have insider knowledge about the group and the individuals that enrich the Biden family. 
Over an intensive two-day two meeting, um, I shared my information about the Biden family's financial transactions with CFC, including specific dollar figures. I also provided the name of Rob Walker, who later became known as Hunter Biden's bagman. Uh, yet, as we now know today from the whistleblower testimony, uh, Gary Shapley, it took the DOJ a whole 21 months to probe the issue and to actually talk to Walker. But perhaps the most alarming information I revealed was of a mole within the DOJ who shared classified information with Hunter Biden and his Chinese partners. To this point, Galloff seems to be a character in a John le Carre spy novel. Good guy or bad? Perp or victim? We don't yet know. At the end of today's episode, we've added the full 14-minute video in which Luff lays out his allegations against the Biden crime family, his charge that Biden's DOJ was in the cover-up of extensive corruption. And more bad news for the Biden regime's corrupt DOJ, a federal judge in Louisiana this week rejected the Department of Justice's request to lift a restrictive order against the Biden regime, limiting the Biden administration's contact with big tech and social media companies who've colluded with the deep state and Biden to silence conservative voices. Our guest here today is one of the plaintiffs who sued the Biden administration trying to stop their collusion with social media companies. Joining us now is the Attorney General of the great state of Louisiana, Jeff Landry. Mr. Attorney General, great to have you back with us here on The Great America Show. I want to congratulate you on your case, a case that is so critical to the freedom of speech in this country. Well, thank you for having me. So let's start with this, this ruling by Judge Dowdy. Uh, is amazing in which it's effectively an injunction against the federal government not to in any way collude with social media against conservative voices, is it not? It is, it is. And I mean, you know, it's almost painful uh, to hear you say that in today's time, because just when you say that, any American uh, that understands what you're saying would say, well, wait a minute, that would be a violation of my First Amendment rights, which is exactly what this case is about. You know, I've said since last year that this case could be one of the most important First Amendment cases in modern times, because, again, we're seeing this transition of debate inside of the physical public square into the virtual public square. And our rights and our constitutional protections should be transferred from the from the physical to the virtual. And in the physical world uh, as well, our rights are being trampled every day by the Biden regime. Uh, it's extraordinary. He makes no bones about it. He's going after our Second Amendment rights to uh, control guns, uh, the freedom of speech. Uh, we know that that played an important role in the 2020 election. Uh, and in this instance, we're talking about this case that you brought uh, in which the issue was the government wanting to shut down debate or dissent about vaccines during the COVID pandemic. Well, that's, cor that's correct. Look, Judge Doty did an unbelievable job of laying out 
the findings of the case thus far in a 154-page, very good opinion that I would encourage people who are listening to go out and download and read. It's pretty easy. It doesn't have a lot of legalese, uh, but it makes a whole lot of sense. And, and it, it addresses both issues with COVID-19, with vaccines, with mask mandates, uh, it, the origins of COVID-19, but it also talks about election interference as well. I mean, look, what he lays out is, is, is what we lay out and the judge agrees on is the case that the government was basically going out and censoring through the use of social media, people's speech on the internet. So if they didn't like the things that you were saying or the things that you were posting, uh, they would ask the social media platforms to either throttle you back, uh, to, uh, to, to, to ban you, to block you, um, to shadow ban you. And, and, and all of those things, when the government coerces um, a, a, a private citizen or a corporation such as that to do that, that, that in and of itself is a violation of your First Amendment. A violation, and Judge Dowdy agreeing with you, uh, and uh, the and the Missouri Attorney General in this case, and now the the Justice Department seeks to to have a, a, an emergency uh, in, a stay of the injunction that he laid down, and the judge made a ruling uh, today uh, that uh, there will be no injunction that uh, while, during appeal. And the Biden administration making it very clear, Mr. Attorney General, uh, they're going to appeal, and strongly so, I think. Yeah, look, I mean, the left and, and, and the mainstream media is up in arms over this, and, and really for nothing, as usual. Uh, they love to call, um, you know, a five-alarm fire when, when nothing is burning. And, and this, is, this is the deal. I think Judge Doty does a great job of granting the government plenty of room in order to pre protect Americans and to put out the information that they think is important. Nowhere in the order do we muzzle the government. All we're saying is that the government can't muzzle American citizens. And and the idea that Americans could be muzzled it is uh, it's atrocious to think that we've come so far under this Biden regime, uh, having our rights suppressed and violated uh, every which way we turn, that we could be muzzled. Which is, by the way, again, precisely what uh, the 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 Marxist Dems wanted to achieve in 2020, when they first, as far as we know, first colluded with Twitter, the Twitter files, Twitter gate, whatever you want to call it, when they tried to suppress the story about the Hunter Biden laptop. We didn't know until that point how much collusion was going on between uh, uh, social media and the federal government. Well, Lou, you know, for someone like yourself who has been uh, in this arena for a long, long time and have seen a lot of things happen in this country, I, I know how shocking it is for you. You could never, as I, imagine that the government would do that. But, you know, let's take that, for instance, real quickly. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that the FBI knew that they were in possession of the laptop as early as 2019, and yet they let the social platforms take down the New York Post. Um, article and tried to debunk it. And I mean, doesn't, and, and that's what we find. We uncovered that evidence in this particular case. And so the question is begged is, does not the Department of Justice or the FBI have a responsibility to the American people to tell the truth 
at the time that something like this is going on. I mean, basically what they were doing was they were allowing the Democrat Party propaganda machine to continue to work when we know that there are many voters out there on the Democratic side. I think 17 percent or more have said they would not have voted for Joe Biden had they known that the laptop and what was contained in the laptop to be real. I mean, that would have tilted the, the election. I mean, that's, that's election interference in and of it on its face. And it's election interference that combines with then Attorney General William Barr, who apparently had dispatched his FBI agents to go talk to uh, to, to Mort Zuckerberg, uh, Zuckerberg and uh, Jack Dorsey at Twitter uh, and their people to make certain that they were coordinated, if you will, in bringing a cone of silence uh, over all of the dissent and questions about the election. We're talking with the Attorney General of the great state of Louisiana, Jeff Landry. We'll be right back in just a matter of moments. Please stay with us. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. We're back. We're talking with Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry, and uh, we appreciate you being with us here today on The Great America Show. Mr. Attorney General, let's start with, uh, if we may, on this uh, segment uh, that very issue of election interference and what role it plays in your current case. Well, I mean, look, it's part and parcel of some of the things that we found uh, in this case. Remember, the judge granted us a uh, discovery. In that discovery, we uncovered uh, volumes of emails under which the, under which many government officials were uh, were discussing censoring American speech inside of those emails. Some as high as Robert Flattery over at the White House. He was the one uh, who we have emails were basically pointedly trying to throttle back Tucker Carlson and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I mean, we have the the emails are on an exhibit uh, in this particular case. And and then of course, we also uncovered through uh, deposing Elvis Chan with the FBI, the fact that the FBI was regularly meeting with social media platforms uh, and we know Again, like we had knew before, is the fact that they were they were telling the platforms that it was it, they anticipated a lot of Russian interference with our elections and a data dump, and yet when a New York Post article comes out about the Hunter Biden laptop, they treat it as Russian information or disinformation or misinformation, and yet they knew they had the laptop in their particular possession, uh, and so that's you know that's some of the things that we found out. We also found out 
on gain of function, on some of the things that Fauci had been telling us. I mean, at the beginning of the pandemic, many virologists and epidemiologists, esteemed ones, uh, awarded ones, said that they were concerned about the makeup of the virus and how it looked to be genetically engineered. And then, of course, you know, those voices were silenced through the use of social media uh, and Twitter, banning those voices from having that debate in the virtual public square. And then we find out, you know, some two years later that, yes, the virus actually came out of the Wuhan, or most likely it came out of the Wuhan lab and certainly not out of a, a wet market. Again, those are all the things that we find in here, Lou. It's a, it's a, pretty, it's a pretty damning opinion that the judge lays out for the government, basically censoring American speech. And we're going to have on our website, uh, Mr. Attorney General, that uh, that ruling by Judge Doty, uh, because, as you say, the 150 some odd page report uh, is something that I think everyone in this audience would be interested to read. Uh, and it is uh, illuminating, to say the least, much of it based on uh, your filings uh, in that court, uh, a proceeding that to this point you've won. We know um, and again, that's LouDobs.com, folks. Uh, when you get ready to uh, check out that order, as the attorney general suggested, let's go to what's next. And that is obviously the appeal. How long will that take uh, in the first, uh, first, excuse me, the Fifth Circuit uh, in New Orleans? How soon do you think you would get a judgment from them? You know, I, I don't know. You know, the, the, the good news is, is that the injunction is in place as of today. Uh, it's probably why we, we're finding out more about the, the, the cocaine that was found in the White House than not, because if this injunction was not in place, so should, I mean, they could have maybe hid that from us as well. Um, but as they, they were asked for, they're asked for an emergency appeal. Um, the Fifth Circuit will decide whether or not they want to grant the emergency appeal or do what's called an administrative stay, which is like a pause on a particular injunction. Uh, I would think in the next five days or so, we'll, we'll, we'll hear from the Fifth Circuit. Um, I would be very disappointed if they did anything but rule in our particular favor. Like I, I said, nothing in this order muzzles the government or, or prevents the government from putting out information to the American people uh, or, or working to, to protect the American people. It simply says that the government cannot uh, muzzle Americans. And, and look, there's no exception to the First Amendment. And that's it's very important to remember. I mean, we don't get even during war or pandemics, the First Amendment stands. Uh, and that's the important part of this case is that our constitutional rights, there are no exceptions to them and that free speech doesn't have an approval process. It, that's a great way to put it. And uh, the First Amendment uh, and our right of assembly uh, was uh, trampled uh, during the pandemic by too many uh, governments, whether it's the federal government and various agencies, including the CDC, HHS, uh, or state governments, whether it be governors or uh, public health agencies of those states, as well as the CDC, saying you will not assemble, you will not uh, in any way uh, uh, do anything other than what we say. We were very close to being a totalitarian uh, government at that point, don't you think? It was pretty close. I mean, the fact that, you know, when they were closing churches, I mean, you think about it. I mean, they kind of ran the gauntlet of First, Amer of First Amendment. Uh, the only thing they didn't do was censor the, the press, but most of the press was with them uh, in, 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 in the gig. So I guess they didn't have to suppress them. Um, but again, I say that 
when you look through the, the contents and the evidence that we found in this particular case, you see journalists and other uh, uh, press folks um, being censored as well. It just seems like they're the ones on the right rather than the ones on the left. I mean, that, again, that, that, that's what's so concerning about this particular case. And look, Lou, I, I appreciate you putting that opinion up on your website, and I'd encourage those that are listening to your program to go and download it and take a look at it. Well, thanks for the suggestion, Mr. Attorney General. And I want to let everybody know that we're going to be taking up uh, a, a number of other issues here as we take a quick break, talking with Attorney General Jeff Landry, uh, who is also running for governor of the great state of Louisiana. And he's also representing the interest of uh, all Americans uh, in court as he is pursuing uh, the federal government's collusion uh, with social media. And one of the most important cases, in my opinion, uh, anywhere in the country at this particular moment. We're coming right back. Please stay with us. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're back with Attorney General Jeff Landry of the great state of Louisiana. And Mr. Attorney General, I want to ask you right now, there seems to me to be a, if you will, a commonality that's been, uh, that's arisen, uh, whether it's government trying to work with uh, private companies like social media companies, Twitter, uh, Facebook, any number of social media companies. But we're also seeing business itself trying to act as, uh, if you will, government. And I'm referring to, of course, CRT uh, and ESG, particularly in Wall Street, which is a, a peculiar thing to me. Business trying to take on the, uh, the import, the power, the authority of government as private organizations run by private citizens and colluding in the case of uh, social media, uh, working uh, against the First Amendment rights of Americans. We have a mess going on right now in this country uh, where there seems to be a, a combined effort on the part of the Marxist Dems to destroy uh, citizens' rights in this country. Yeah, I think what you, you're seeing is a, um, is a culmination of allowing too much uh, power to be um, accumulated in one particular sector. You know, I've been saying that I think that we're entering into a early 1900s phase of antitrust uh, movements. Uh, when when corporations amass so much power, whether it be financial control, when you're looking at the financial institutions and the amount of, of, of wealth and capital that they have been able uh, to, um, to garner, 
uh, or you look at the social media platforms and the amount of information that they're able to contain on American citizens, they then have the ability to affect policy. And when companies become that big, they become bigger than the government. And of course, that's what anti, the, the Sherman Antitrust Act was was passed for and why it's it's deeply rooted in America. Our, the policymaking in this country belongs in our city councils, in our state legislatures, and in our Congress, not in boardrooms uh, made when, when the doors are closed and most Americans don't have the ability to opine on them. Look, you, know, you know, Lou, I led an effort uh, several years ago when Bank of America and Citigroup were basically trying to shut down the lending of, of, of financial um, instruments or basically lending money uh, to those who were selling firearms to people under 21. Here in Louisiana, all you have to be is 18 to purchase a firearm. That's a decision that our state legislature has made. Uh, we, we've enshrined some additional Second Amendment protections in Louisiana's Constitution, and we certainly respect that. But when financial institutions will use their market power to basically infringe upon um, Louisiana citizens' ability uh, to possess and purchase firearms, well, then we don't want to do business with those companies anymore. They become too big if we can't do business outside of um, of of utilizing them, and so I think, and you've seen other states do that as well. I think Texas has taken the same position, and we've done the same thing with ESNG. We've been very critical of BlackRock and the positions that they've taken. And you look at the amount of of of, of financial um, power that they've been able to accumulate because of the size of BlackRock. Again, those are all things that I think should concern all Americans. Absolutely. And uh, and good for you again, taking on those issues, uh, because the American people in some so-called blue states, they'll say, you know, that's great. Uh, not thinking about the power they're investing uh, in private corporations who already have extraordinary power. We've just seen another example uh, here recently, and that is Microsoft given the go-ahead uh, to to buy complete its deal with Activision, a $75 billion deal that will already, uh, you know, add on to the, to the, the monstrosity uh, in terms of its size that uh, Microsoft is. Uh, we see the, the same thing with other corporations, whether it be the largest bank in the United States, J.P. Morgan Chase. <laughs> they pick up the assets during the, the banking crisis earlier this year. They pick up the assets of uh, Republic Bank uh, that failed. And, and now, you know, it, they, they're larger as a result of it all, instead it, of keeping diffusing that economic, that uh, amazing, powerful economic uh, uh, concentration that uh, represents uh, American banking right now. And I don't believe the consumer's any better off because I think lending is actually um, restricted rather than, 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 than elevated. And of course, we all know in this country, the ability to go out there and to, and, and, and to make something about it um, and to live out that particular dream that you may have as an entrepreneur is based upon your access to capital. And when, and when fi the financial control of that capital is vested in only a few hands, that stifles innovation, it stifles entrepreneurship. Um, right. You know, again, it, 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 it you know, it seems to be very reflective. It reminds me of the, you know, po of the pre-World War II era of Germany, where Germany, where the power of, 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 of 
of in industry was concentrated in the hands of just a few. And again, those are the things that concern us. And, and what you see is that those boards then try to become policymakers rather than, um, than run their companies and, and turn profits. It's the very definition, isn't it, of fascism. Uh, you were talking about uh, pre-World War II Germany. Uh, it's the essence of, uh, of fascism, whether in Italy or whether in Germany. Uh, when you see business and government combine in such a fashion, uh, the power it becomes awesome and the Constitution is, is diminished. I want to talk about, if, we, if you will, uh, Mr. Attorney General, your race for governor. Uh, how's it looking? It looks great. I mean, look, I think the people of this state um, are tired of seeing Louisiana at the bottom of all the good lists and the top of all the bad lists. Crime is an extreme problem in the state. We've got three cities in the top 10 most dangerous cities uh, in the country. I've been a former police officer and sheriff's deputy served uh, in the Army as a military police officer and also the attorney general for the last eight years. And we're trying to go out and make our case as to why uh, we're the best person suited to run this state and why we can turn this this state around. And this this election for governor is not really about me. It's about the people of the state who I think are ready to see Louisiana uh, become a safe and prosperous state again. And those who want to join us can go to jefflandry.com and get on our team. Well, we uh, recommend to our audience that they go to uh, <laughs> to Jeff Landry. Uh, it's at jefflandry.com. Is that what you yeah. said? Yeah, jefflandry.com. I've always get messed up on those .coms, .orgs, et cetera. <laughs> but uh, we got that straightened out. So uh, we appreciate it. We appreciate your time. Uh, and I just have to say that uh, when you become governor, I'm, I I hope that there's a, a, a great man behind you because uh, there's certainly been a great man in that office for the past eight years. We appreciate you, Mr. Attorney General. Thanks for being with us here on The Great America Show. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Lou. Louisiana's Attorney General Jeff Landry. He's also running to be the next governor of that great state. He's a great American. We're coming right back. Please stay with us. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And now, as I promised earlier, we have for you the full 14-minute audio of Gal Luft the Biden whistleblower who's been working with congressional investigators. And now the Biden Department of Justice has indicted Gal Luft for arms trafficking and working as an unregistered agent for China. That sounds a lot like retaliation, doesn't it? Here's Gal Luft. Good day. My name is Dr. Gal Luft. 
For the past 20 years, I have been the co-director of the Institute for the Analysis of Global Security, a Washington-based think tank focused on energy security. For the past 15 years, I've been a resident of Israel, and for four years, I was senior advisor to the China energy company CFC, at the same time of its dealings with the Biden family. Under normal circumstances, I would be testifying before Congress about my experience with CFC. Sadly, due to circumstances I shall describe here in this video, uh, I am forced to tell you this story via video. My ordeal goes back to uh, a fatal decision I made in March of 2019 to share with the US government my knowledge about the Biden family's relations with CFC. As I said, it was in March of 2019 in a two-day uh, session at the US Embassy in Brussels. I insisted that the meeting take place in March because at the time there were rumors that Joe Biden was planning to run for president. I saw it as my civic duty to alert the government beforehand and give it enough time to probe the issue. I want to be clear, I'm not a Republican, I'm not a Democrat, I have no political motive or agenda. I did it out of deep concern that if the Bidens were to come to power, the country would be facing the same traumatic Russia collusion scandal, only this time with China. Sadly, because of the DOJ's uh, cover-up, this is exactly what happened. The DOJ sent to Brussels a delegation of six uh, people, two prosecutors from the Southern District of New York, by the names of Daniel Reichenthal and Catherine Ghosh, and four FBI agents. One of them was Special Agent Joshua Wilson from the Baltimore field office, which also happens to cover the state of Delaware. Now you want to ask yourself, why did the government dispatch to Europe so many people? Why six? Why not two? The answer is that they knew very well that I'm a credible uh, witness and that I have insider knowledge about the group and the individuals that enriched the Biden family. Over an intensive two-day two meeting, um, I shared my information about the Biden family's financial transactions with CFC, including specific dollar figures. I also provided the name of Rob Walker, who later became known as Hunter Biden's bagman. Uh, yet, as we now know today from the whistleblower testimony, uh, Gary Shapley, it took the DOJ a whole 21 months to probe the issue and to actually talk to Walker. But perhaps the most alarming information I revealed was of a mole within the DOJ who shared classified information with Hunter Biden and his Chinese partners. I told the DOJ that Hunter was closely associated with a very senior retire, retired FBI official who had distinct physical characteristic. He had one eye. One of the FBI agents at the time even told me 
you know, that would be very easy for us to find. There aren't that many one-eyed people in the Bureau. The information I provided the FBI in March of 2019 was fully corroborated nine months later when the famous laptop belonging to Hunter Biden, which contained all the emails and receipts, was handed to the FBI. And guess who seized the laptop from the computer repair shop? It was Special Agent Joshua Wilson, who was with me in Brussels earlier. In other words, the FBI knew about, uh, from me, about the Biden CFC deals before they got hold of the laptop, way before. They had enough time to investigate the issue, but they didn't. After Brussels, I never heard back from the DOJ, but instead of showing appreciation for my whistleblowing, I became public enemy number one. Over the past four years that followed, me, my family, my friends, my associates, we were all harassed, intimidated, and finally, I was prosecuted. Despite all that, on the eve of the 2020 elections, I sent my lawyer to Washington to meet with then acting Deputy Attorney General, Mr. Richard Donahue, to ensure he was informed about the information I had given his department in Brussels 19 months earlier. And also to warn him that there may still be a mole within the DOJ. Mr. Donahue confirmed to my lawyer that he was aware of my claims, but now we learn from the IRS whistleblower that it was Rich Donahue himself who suspended the investigation a few weeks earlier on September 4th, 2020, on the grounds that it was, quote, too close to the elections. Finally, in February this year, I was arrested in Cyprus on an extradition request from the Southern District of New York, the very same office that met with me uh, in Brussels. The seven-count indictment said I violated the export, uh, Arms Export Control Act, and if I convicted, I would face up to 100 years in prison. While I was detained in Cyprus, I was portrayed in the international media as an arms dealer, even though I never traded a bullet in my entire life. In fact, nowhere in my indictment, the DOJ claimed or presented evidence that I bought, sold, shipped, or financed any weapons. I was also charged with acting as an unregistered agent of CFC, which is a far out violation. The DOJ says that I caused the payment of $6,000 a month to former CIA director James Woolsey um, in order to put his name on an article I had ghostwritten for the China Daily newspaper. Nowhere in the indictment, the DOJ mentioned the well-known fact that Mr. Woolsey had been uh, an advisor to my think tank since 2002 and that there was nothing in the article that represented Chinese interest, to the contrary. The notion that I, Gal Luft, spoon-fed a CIA director with policy proposals on China, treating him like a useful idiot, is not only an insult to the intelligence community, it is an insult to the intelligence of every American. 
The U.S. government claims that I acted on behalf of CFC, and therefore I'm a foreign agent. But let me tell you a little secret. The same CFC that the U.S. government claims was associated with the Chinese intelligence and, quote, an international criminal organization, was a 501c3 charitable organization registered in the state of Virginia and approved by the IRS. The same organization was also a major donor to the Clinton Foundation and Columbia University. Needless to say that none of their executives were charged for any wrongdoing. If CFC was indeed a foreign entity tied so closely to the PRC, why was it allowed to operate freely as a public charity? Why did the government expose taxpayers to the risk of funding an entity it knew at the time was so compromised? Why did they, did they not warn anybody? Isn't the role of government to protect its people? I'm also being charged for making a false statement in Brussels. But why was I in Brussels to begin with? Was I there to eat Belgian waffles? The DOJ charged me for making a statement in a voluntary meeting that would have never come to bear if not for my good citizenship. So let me propose an idea. Why won't the DOJ make my indictment public? Do it. Make my day. Put it on your website so that every American can see the nature of the allegations against me, the quality of the evidence, and the length the government is willing to go to weaponize the justice system to punish whistleblowers like me. I have another idea. Why won't the FBI submit to Congress the minutes from the Brussels meeting? Let everybody see what happened in Brussels. Why not? Are you trying to protect anything? Are you trying to protect anybody? I also hope that the DOJ can explain why they targeted me in Cyprus and not in my home country of Israel, where I reside most of the time. After all, the U.S. shares a bilateral extradition treaty with Israel. So if any of my crimes are real and serious, and this is not just political prosecution, why did the U.S. need to sneak up on me during a short visit to Cyprus? Do they not trust the Israeli judicial system to judge this issue on its merits? What's going on here? Also, why did the DOJ wait six whole years, well beyond the statute of limitation, to indict me? And why did the DOJ choose to unseal to the, the indictment on November 1st, 2022, the very same week of the midterm elections. Could this have anything to do with the fact or the fear that once Republicans gain control over Congress and begin to investigate, their cover-up would be in full display? And perhaps the biggest question of all, why am I being indicted for FARA for a ghostwriting an innocuous article for which I received no payment, let alone from a foreign government, when the mother of all FARA cases, the Biden's systemic influence peddling on behalf of foreign governments for which they raked millions, goes unpunished? This is, in a nutshell, why I decided to act the way I did. 
because I do not have faith uh, that I would receive a fair trial in a New York court. Let me tell you why. CFC Secretary General Dr. Patrick Ho, who paid Hunter Biden a million dollars for God knows what, was not allowed to mention the word Biden before the jury when he was tried in New York in 2018. The very same prosecutor who is now after me, Daniel Reichenthal, told the judge at the time that mentioning the name Biden would, quote, add a political dimension to the case. And the judge agreed, which means that if I'm ever brought before a U.S. court, I would not be allowed to utter the word Brussels or Biden. And the real context of my arrest, me being patient zero of the Biden family investigation, would be hidden from the jury. Let it sink in. I, who volunteered to inform the U.S. government about potential security breach and about compromising information about a man vying to be the next president, am now being hunted by the very same people whom I informed and may have to live on the run for the rest of my life. I warned the government about potential risk to the integrity of the 2020 elections if convicted by a U.S. court, would never be able to vote again in a U.S. elections. Just think about it and ask yourself, who is the real criminal in this story? Thank you for listening. Gal Luft, a mystery man as of now, and as we learn more here, we'll have it for you. Our guest here tomorrow is John Solomon, editor-in-chief of JustTheNews.com. Please be with us and follow me on Twitter and Truth Social at Lou Dobbs and on Facebook and Instagram at Lou Dobbs Tonight. And be sure to check out the all-new LouDobbs.com for all your latest news and headlines. Please join us here tomorrow for The Great America Show. Until then, thanks, God bless you, and God bless America.